Our scripture reading will be Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hear the word of the Lord. Amen. I guess I'm supposed to stay up. <laughs> How's everybody doing this morning? You guys doing good? You guys pumped to be alive? Uh, kind of. It's been a long week, busy week. Are you guys alive? Are you sure? Okay, good. Like this is, it is so good to be here. Um, I'm in my favorite city. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you guys got tired of it already, but I'm in my favorite city. I absolutely love this place, and it's, it's great to be here. It's extremely hard to pack for, because I, I, I did look at the weather the week before, but it changed a lot since I looked at the weather. So, uh, yeah, anyway, it's, it's been so good to be here, and just thankful for, for what God is doing here at Church of the Advent Hope. I'm thankful for your pastor. Can we give it up for Pastor Todd and his beard, which I have an immense amount of envy for. Can we give it up for the rest of the pastoral staff? Kyle, Dever, Nick, man, you guys, I'm serious. You guys are blessed. I'm sitting here listening like you guys don't know. I've been around the block a few times in the church, and you guys don't know what gift you guys have. It's truly a blessing that you guys uh, have what you have. And I'm thankful to be here, and I'm thankful to be able to have the opportunity to break the, the bread of life with you today. Um, like I mentioned before, I'm from Southern California, but this is really where my heart is. My mom was born in New York. My wife was born in New York. And uh, yeah, I know, like she, she doesn't, I don't know, I, like we're living in California. She's always wanted to live in Southern California by the beach. I've always wanted to live in New York. But she knows, she knows it's coming where we will be here. And so we're excited about what God is doing. And I was one of those, since my mom was raised in New York, and I lived in Southern California, like we always had, I always had a Yankee and a Dodger hat, but I didn't like the color of the Dodgers. I didn't like the Dodger blue, I'm sorry. Alex, I'm sorry, listen, I'm so, I just didn't like the color. Like the darker blue goes better with other things. And so I would rock the Yankee hat, um, and then now it kind of feels a little bit better to be able to rock it and be here, but uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, so, but one of the other things I absolutely love about New York City is Man, the opportunity, the diversity, the history that's truly, I mean, makes this place the gateway of the world. One 21st century prophet said, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> Some of you picked up on that one. Can you hear me? I could barely hear me. Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. Um, and, you know, I, I, did, I took theology. I took, I went through seminary, but I found that I... I, I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I'm somebody who, if I come up with an idea and I, and I make that idea a reality, and I, I found, I consider myself a theologically trained entrepreneur. Do we have any entrepreneurs in the building? Let me see your hands. Any entrepreneurs? A couple of you, cool. Um, it's my job by the end of this to convince us all that we are all entrepreneurs and we can all go out there and make great ideas a reality no matter what it is, whether it's a book, a song, a business, whatever. We are all created in the image of God to be creators 
and to be able to take immaterial thoughts. I think of it like I was down at Grand Central Station, and I look at the enormity of that thing, and the, the, I can't even imagine what that process is to be able to take a thought like, hey, let's make a huge train station in this city, and to take that thought, gather the plans, the people, and the resources to make something like that a reality. And the crazy thing is it all started as an idea in somebody's brain. Neurons shooting back and forth, immaterial things that then turned that thing and this city into a material reality. And beyond that, I think of the Advent movement. I think of where we went from, from Jesus and the disciples and growing this thing thousands of years later to where we are at today where young people, when this thing started a hundred and so years ago, young people between the ages of 12 and 23 started this movement that is, wait, let me ask a question. How many of you are between the ages of 12 and 23? Let me see your hands. Between 12, look, look around the room, like, this is the age of the people that started this church and this movement. The rest of you all can retire. No, just kidding. But it's crazy to me to think that a movement, the population of New York City is about 8 million, 8.5 million people. Adventism currently has about 20 million people worldwide. And when I think of the scope of the Big Apple, and I think of the scope of what young people were able to do in creating a movement and being willing and ready to take risks, to leave family, to leave possession, to even leave their own denomination for the cause of Jesus Christ because they believed that God had put something on their heart and they were going to pursue that something no matter what. And because they pursued that something, we have what this place is today that you are sitting in here, Church of the Advent Hope. It's amazing to me what can happen when you hold on to a desire, when you hold on to a dream and an opportunity, and what happens when you pursue those dreams with reckless abandon. Our church today has gotten too far into management and, and taking care of the institution more so than it has in the, in the pursuit of expanding the mission. And I, I'm, yeah, just a, a testament today that I, I'm tired of doing church as usual. I'm tired of doing things as they always have been. And I believe when I come to this city, I'm inspired that we can be doing so much more. Now, I can understand that as you're going throughout life and the busyness, especially as this city just sucks the energy out of you, sucks the passion and the desire out of you. For me, it inspires me to want to do more, to dream more, and go, a bit, go above and beyond because I believe that's what God is calling us to do. So this morning, I want to talk to us about dreams. I want to talk to us about, yes, dreams are a reality, and yes, dreams do come true. How many of you have dreams? Yeah? I think. Oh, it's not on. Dreams. There's a few facts I want to share with you about dreams. Dreams... 90% of the dream that you have is lost as soon as you wake up. Our brain tends to be more active when we are asleep than we are when we are awake. Human beings spend roughly six years of their lifetime dreaming. The colder your house is, the worse your dreams are. They say that if your room is an average temperature, you will have better sleep. It's also said that, uh, in reference to the American dream, that less than 20% of the people believe that they are living the American dream, which is typically you own a house, and it's even more so today, fewer and fewer people believe they will actually attain that American dream. 
There was a survey that was done about kids who, you remember when you were five years old and somebody asked you, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? What is your dream? And they would say astronaut, fireman, a bajillionaire, right? They would have these huge dreams and aspirations, and they would go from, okay, this is, this is what they said when they were five, and they asked them later, did you actually pursue that career path that you had on your heart since you were five? And unsurprisingly, about 80% of them said, nope, I didn't. Well, the 20% of the people that did pursue their childhood dreams, they found that 90% of them were beyond satisfied with their career path. I find that interesting, that those that pursued their childhood dreams were more satisfied with their career that they chose when they were five years old than they were if they didn't. What has happened to our ability to dream? I have a friend, he's a dream manager. He works for Infusionsoft, he's actually now left Infusionsoft and started a dream school because he believes that all of us have within us the capacity to dream. However, as we get older, we lose that capacity to dream. And so he says dreaming takes cultivation. Dreaming takes time to continue to cultivate. He goes through these exercises with these people and he says, I want you to write down a list of 100 dreams that you want to accomplish before you die. How many of you, if you were to take out a piece of paper right now, would be able to write out a list of 100 dreams that you want to accomplish before you die? It'd be quite an exercise. Even myself, who I consider myself quite the dreamer and quite the ideas guy, I would find it challenging to write down 100 different dreams. But as my friend Dan Ralphs, the dream manager, says, it takes cultivation to be able to dream. I also, uh, how many of you have seen, oh, dreams do come true. How many of you have seen this movie? Come on. Come on. Am I the only guy that's seen this movie? <laughs> I admit, I watched this movie and I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And this movie is the reason why I actually have my wife today. Just a little secret for the rest of y'all who are single. This movie is the reason why I have my wife today. And let me tell you why this is the reason why. Well, what I learned from this movie, and for those of you, how many of you haven't seen it? Okay, that's all right. The reason why is because if you, if you know the story, Mandy Moore and Shane West, Mandy Moore was the outcast. Shane West was this rebel teenager. And Mandy Moore was this cute girl, and Shane West was trying to pursue her, but she was trying to stay off on her own when she found out that she was actually, she had a terminal illness and she was going to die. Shane West said, I listen, I'm not doing... I, I don't care about that. I'm doing whatever it takes to grab your heart. And so what did he decide to do? He found out that she had a bucket list. How many of you have a bucket list? Things you want to do before you die. Yep. Okay. So he found out that she had a bucket list, dreams she wanted to accomplish before she died. And what, she essentially, what Shane essentially did was, he said, I'm going to help you accomplish all of your dreams before you die. Well, as a result, and uh, spoiler alert, he wins over her heart because he helped her accomplish those dreams. And I, I've always said, if you want to accomplish your dreams, help others accomplish theirs, and it will become a reality. Uh, I, I took note of this principle myself, and I think it applies for jobs, relationships. Well, my, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, had a dream. And I asked her when we were dating, I said, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? She said, man, if I could do anything in the world, I would sing with the heritage singers. Come on, come on. 
Come on, where, where are my old school Adventists in the building? How many of you know the Heritage Singers? Come on, Max Mace. Come on. They've been around 45 years in this game. And uh, 40, that, that says some. That's some staying power. Max is like 80-something still going. And so I had a friend whose dad was one of the many Heritage Singers, and I asked him, I said, listen, what would it take to get you to get Max to call my girlfriend at the time to have her sing with you on her 21st birthday? What would it take? He says, nothing but a phone call. Called her. Max calls my girlfriend, asks her to sing with him um, on her 21st birthday in Chattanooga, and she had the opportunity, come on, to sing with the Heritage Singers. Yeah. And listen up, man. That sealed, she tells that, she'll tell everyone, it sealed the deal that night. <laughs> she said, I am marrying this man. And so it, it is beyond true that if you help someone accomplish their dreams, it will in reality help you accomplish yours. And like I said, it works not only in relationships, in jobs, in other areas. It helps you when you ask, ask somebody, what dream do you have on your heart? And then work towards helping that make it a reality. And things will change. Things will change. It works in many different areas. Dreams. Now, what happens when you actually accomplish your dreams? Because like my wife, when I helped her accomplish that dream, which was a pretty big task, um, I said, well, what's next? She's like, well, I haven't even thought about it. What happens when you actually do accomplish your dreams, and will you ultimately be satisfied when you do? That's the first part of the question we'll be answering this morning. One of the things that I dream about a lot Oh, snap. Did I just go through? I gave it all away. I gave it away. And we'll have the closing prayer. <laughs> okay. Um, dreams. One of the things I dream about being from Southern California, I went to Monterey Bay Academy, which is right on the beach. Any other NBA? Come on. I know. I know Greg's in the building. Any other NBA folk? Y'all don't know what you're missing out on. We were living on like 40 acres of the freshest, biggest strawberries you can imagine, and like you looking out the dorm and you can see the beach. There's an Adventist Academy. They bought this thing for a dollar. Holler. Like that thing is amazing. Anyway, I went to Monterey Bay Academy. So surfing is in my blood, and I dream about surfing. I dream about the waves I will surf, and I also dream about the waves I've surfed in the past. I relive these experiences. I know exactly, I, I know exactly where I was and, and the, the feeling and the rush and the stoke that I got from it. I dream of surfing, but in this particular surfing magazine, Shane Dorian, a professional surfer, got a call saying there's going to be perfect waves in the South Pacific. Huge, azure, 12-foot waves. You've got to come and see this. And so he got two of his friends on a plane to the South Pacific and went surfing. Well, as you can see, the article is entitled, Too Much Perfect. Well, what happens when you actually do accomplish your dreams? Well, here it talks about being able to accomplish your dreams and going from accomplishing your dreams to making those dreams a reality. Now check this out. So when they actually got to the South Pacific, they started surfing, and guess what happened? When they got the surfer's dream, it says this, I've never caught so many perfect waves on a trip. Every wave that came in between 5 and 12 feet was absolutely flawless. Like this is something... I dream of. He goes on to say, 
We were letting waves go by that would have been the best waves of anyone's life. Like, like that's, that's a party foul when you're surfing. Like, you do not let a good wave go by, because there's always people that are waiting in line when you're in a really crowded place like Southern California. But to let good waves go by is just a tragedy. It says, I reckon I must, we must have each gotten more than 50 crazy barrels in a day. And a barrel is when the, the wave is pitching over you inside the tube. You're feeling really good. The barrels were so wide, such a guaranteed thing, that it almost got, what do you think? Boring. What? Like, this is my dream. This is something I think about all the time. But when they actually reached that dream and got that reality, how in the world can you imagine at that experience actually being boring? So let me ask you this question. When you actually do accomplish your dreams, will you ultimately be satisfied? I think about it all the time. I have huge dreams and aspirations, but I often wonder to myself, would I be happy if I got there? We're still talking about dreams. Now, financial dreams. All of us have financial dreams and goals and aspirations. We wish, we wish we had a certain amount of money so that we can do a certain amount of things, live in a particular place, have a certain amount of square footage, and do be able to accomplish our dreams. Well, this is a guy. His name's William Bud Post. William Bud Post had won the lottery. He won $16.2 million. How many of you could do well with 16.2? Right? Not too bad. 16, maybe in this town you couldn't do too well with. That's like chump change. But $16.2 million he won in the lottery. Well, as the story is told, within a year, everybody came out of the woodwork. Ex-girlfriends, family he didn't know he had. People wanted to start different businesses. By the end of that year, he was $1 million in debt. And when the debt collector, right? Like, come on, get a financial advisor. He was $1 million in debt. And when the debt collector came to his house to get the money, he pulled out a gun, shot the debt collector. Luckily, it didn't kill him. It just, like, grazed his head, crazily enough. He ends up in prison. Now, to many of you, what would have seemed like a dream come true, getting that ac access to that amount of money, well, let's hear what uh, William said. William Bud Post said, I was much happier when I was broke. Everyone dreams of winning money, but nobody realizes the nightmares that come out of the woodwork. What happens when you actually do accomplish your dreams? As a matter of fact, most dreams are better as dreams than they are as reality. If we ever do actually get them, we would, would we find ourselves not elated at all, but ultimately disappointed and ultimately empty? I think of my buddy Jim, right? He's not actually my buddy. I always often wanted to be his buddy. He seems like a really funny person and interesting guy. But uh, he says this, find interesting. He says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it is not the answer. Interesting. So you have this juxtaposition of we have deep within us the desire to dream and do big and amazing things, and yet there is a sense that when we actually get there and accomplish those dreams, would we be ultimately satisfied? Clearly, that is not always the case. I think it's interesting that God put within us this amazing capacity to dream and do big things. It says, C.S. Lewis says that creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires or dreams exists. 
A baby feels hunger, well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well, there's such a thing as water. And if I find within myself a desire in which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that you and I were made for another world. And I find that fascinating, that within each and every one of us, we were given the capacity to dream infinitely infinitely. Like, that is mind-blowing, right? And yet, still, we cannot be satisfied. And I believe this is only the case because we serve an infinite God. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 says, He made everything in its time. I love this. He made everything in its time. Like, I, I love the idea that we serve a creator God. Like the very first act that God did was create. And I believe it's important for us to continue to cultivate that creative spirit within, within each and every one of us because that truly is a part of the image of God, the creativity of God. But too many times I feel like we've demonized creators and creatives in our church, but it's important for us to continue to support it because it is part of the image of God. God is a creator, amen? Amen. He also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning. God has placed eternity within the heart of each human being, the infinite capacity within every single one of us that can truly not be satisfied by anything in this world. This is where we get that idea of a God-shaped whole. And that God-shaped hole can truly only be filled by God. You can't fill it with money. You can't fill it with possessions. You can't fill it with position. You cannot fill it with relationships. The only thing that you can do to fill this hole and truly fill this hole is to fill it with God. That's why at the end of the day, when you dream and you accomplish your dreams, you will never be truly satisfied unless you accomplish those dreams within the context of the will of God. And that's what I believe with all of my heart. Now, we have this idea of God that, that has kind of permeated, that, the, that started with the devil in the very beginning. That God is not somebody who wants us to go out and do big things. God does not want us to go out and, and enjoy things. God is, we, uh, we have this scarcity mentality that we don't serve a God who wants us to do above and be all that which he thought or asked. And this lie began in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you do not eat of every tree of the garden? It's a question. Now what is the devil in the form of the serpent doing here? Now God had created all of the fruit trees in the garden. God had created Eden as a place for them to be in fellowship with God and to enjoy the things of this earth. But what the devil was trying to do by saying, did God, did God say you can't eat of everything? Essentially what he was trying to do was paint God as a withholder. God trying to keep things from you versus wanting you to have above and beyond that which you could even think or ask. As a matter of fact, when you think of the word Eden, Eden in the original language literally means pleasure. And how many times do we disassociate pleasure from God? When we think pleasure is bad and clearly it's a sin and all these other things. No, God placed them in the garden for them to be pleased by and to enjoy. As a matter of fact, the word fruit itself literally means 
to enjoy. So yes, we do serve a God who wants us to experience joy. He wants us to experience pleasure. He wants us to actually have fun, believe it or not. What do you say? Like he wants us to enjoy life. This idea that we serve a God that is a boring, dismal being is false. And I believe we need to live accordingly. I love this chunk of the book of Steps to Christ. It says, God does not require us to give up anything that is in our best interest to retain. In all that he does, he has the well-being of his children in view. Would that all who have not Christ might realize that he has something vastly better to offer them than they are seeking for themselves. Interesting. Like, imagine right now, what is, the, what is the thing, if you could have anything in the world, snap your fingers and that thing be there, what would it be? And God says, I have something even better for you than that. Vastly better than you can even imagine. Do you believe that this morning? I know it's hard. It's not easy for us to realize a lot of times we've had that negative picture of God as God trying to keep things from us. God doesn't want us to enjoy life. We, we live in this scarcity mentality that God doesn't want us to dream big and do big things, but it's truly only a lie from the devil. It's a lie from the devil. As a matter of fact, it's reiterated in John 10.10, 10, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. It says, the thief, talking about the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, speaking of Jesus, I have come that you might have life and have it be just okay here on earth until you get to heaven. That's not what it says. It says that I, speaking of Jesus, have come that they might have life and to have it to the fullest, to have it more abundantly above and beyond that which you could even think or ask. God, Jesus, wants you to have that life. And it's the devil who's come to steal, kill, and destroy that within us. I was on to say in Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Here's the secret to getting satisfaction in your dreams. Sure, you can accomplish your dreams, but I truly believe if you accomplish your dreams outside of the confines of the will of God, you will never be truly satisfied. But if you delight yourself in the Lord, and I know it's not easy for us to delight ourselves in the Lord. As a matter of fact, it's not a natural thing for us to delight ourselves in the Lord. Our human nature pushes that away. But I, I, I've heard it said when it comes to getting to know God and studying the Bible, that the Bible is, is the Word of God. It's the bread of life, right? You've heard that before? And the interesting thing about bread, like, like yeah, you can, you can have your Wonder Bread, or you can have my grandma's Wonder Bread, which is like the 16-grain bread, and you wonder what was really in that thing with all of the different nuts and seeds and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times we treat the Word of God like it's that Wonder Bread, that 16-grain, thick, hard-to-chew, dry bread. That's what it seems. It seems lifeless to us. But the cool thing about bread is bread is primarily made up of carbohydrates. Bread is primarily made up of carbohydrates. And the cool thing that happens when you eat bread and you start to chew it and it starts mixing in with your saliva, guess what happens to those carbohydrates the more you chew it? What happens? 
When you chew those carbohydrates and those carbohydrates get broken down, they start turning into sugar. And I truly believe the more we, even if it's just a bite-sized scripture, the more we chew on the word of God, the sweeter it will become. And even if it feels like a grandma's 16-grain bread that doesn't make any sense and has a lot of nuts and confusing things in it, just keep chewing. Just keep chewing. Don't give up. And, I, and we need to spend more time in this thing now more than ever before. And I believe that if we learn to delight ourselves, taste and see that God is good, he will give you the desires of your heart. Because when you align yourself with that of Scripture, you align yourselves with the desires of God. He will give you the desires of your heart. I love it in, in the book of Joshua, just after Moses had died and Joshua um, he, he's now having to go from Moses' assistant to now taking over the people of Israel. And God says to him in Joshua 1, he says, listen, if you read the things that are written in this book, and he's referring to the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and he's saying if you read the things that are written in this book and you study them every single day and you don't look to the right or to the left, it says you will prosper and you will succeed. Like a lot of times we think that success is not something that's biblical. It's a prosperity gospel. Well, guess what? The word prosper and success are in the Bible. And I believe that we can get those things and ultimately be truly satisfied if we dig our heads deep into the Word of God and we continue chewing that thing and have a sweet experience with God. And so it's my challenge to each and every one of you as one of my appeals this morning. If the Bible isn't a sweet experience to you, just keep chewing until it does become sweet, until you delight yourself in the Lord. And I believe that when you do, he will give you above and beyond that which you could even think or ask. He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, the beautiful thing about the desire of your heart is the very God who created our hearts to desire is the fulfillment of those desire, the desire of the ages. This is speaking in the book of Haggai in reference to the coming Messiah. This is where we get the book, The Desire of the Ages, from. Jesus, the desire of the ages, is the very fulfillment of those desires in your heart. He will truly solve all of those deep anxieties, the depression, the complexity, all of those different things that you're experiencing in your life. Give your heart completely over to him. And to us, it doesn't make sense all of the time. And that's okay. It's important for us to pursue him with reckless abandon. And it says, when we seek him, you will find him when you search for him with how much of your heart? All of your heart. It says, when you seek him, you will find him when you search for him with all of your heart. So yes, you can have your dreams and satisfaction completely fulfilled but only fulfilled within the person of Jesus. And I remember my life before I was a Christian, I was an atheist, and I remember the whole, the deep chasm I felt like I was falling in. I felt like I was in this, in this deep, dark cloud of depression and discouragement. And I remember that being put up against the call into the gospel and receiving the sacrifice of Jesus to take on all of my heart and desires. And the difference of my experience and I believe that God wants that for each and every one of us 
this morning. He wants us to experience the gospel in a way we've never experienced it before, to experience it with abundance, to experience it, guess what, with success, to experiencing it with the sweetness of the gospel, the sweetness of the word of God, and a sweetness with a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. That's what he wants us to do. And so those dreams those dreams that we mentioned during our scripture reading, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Like I know a lot of us have dreams and aspirations and things that we want to accomplish on this world. And I love that it goes on to say that a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. But I believe that it truly only is a tree of life if we accomplish that dream within the confines and context and will of our Jesus Christ. What do you say? I believe that with all of my heart. I've tried to do it on my own and failed miserably. But only then, when I do it within the confines of Jesus, am I truly, truly satisfied. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, it says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no human mind has even conceived the things that God has prepared for those that love him. I, I, I'm thinking back to the 20% of the people who feel like they've accomplished the American dream and the 80% who are like, no, nah, I'll never, ever get access to that American dream. I'll never have the, the, the house that I will own, well, guess what? God has a mansion prepared for each and every one of you, and you could experience the God's dream, the God's dream that he has for each and every one of your lives. It's a kingdom dream. It's a dream above and beyond that which you could even think or ask. And so I'm thankful this morning that God has a dream for every single one of us. Now, one of my favorite dreamers in the Bible is Joseph. Any, got any Joseph fans in the room? Joseph, Joseph, with his cool coat of many colors, God gave him a dream. God gave him a dream, and he goes and he shares it with his family, and his family start to make fun of him because of this dream that he had given them. And I can only imagine if you, as maybe you're a creative or an entrepreneur or somebody who has ever thought of an idea, and you had those around you kind of make fun of you for that idea, well, Joseph was experiencing that to a degree that they actually tossed him in a pit and sold him into slavery. I don't think any of us have ever had that experience when confronted with a dream. Maybe some of us, I don't know. But um, being confronted with a dream, he had this dream, and as he was going through, he was uh, Potiphar's assistant and was put into a risky situation and tossed into prison and forgotten about in prison. And years later, when it seems like I would imagine what it would be like for Joseph to think to himself, God, you gave me this dream. When is this dream going to become a reality? You'd imagine getting discouraged later in your life. But one of the things you have to realize that I just came to a realization of just recently, just within the last month or so, I've been studying the book of Joseph, or studying Joseph. There is a book. There's a cool little book on it. As I've been studying Joseph, I realized, I came to the conclusion that that dream was never Joseph's dream. It was actually God's dream given and entrusted to Joseph. And that's one of the things that we need to realize. When God gives you a dream, it is not your dream. It's God's dream. Amen? It's God's dream for your life. And one of the things that that shows me and the courage and assurance that that gives me is that no matter what obstacles come your way, whether it's your family criticizing you, making fun of you, any ridiculous obstacle that comes in your way and that dream become a reality, you need to realize it's not your dream, it's God's dream. And it's God's responsibility to make that dream a reality. 
And it's also God's timing that will make that dream a reality, not your timing. I think of it all the time like, God, you put this thing on my heart. Why aren't things going according to my plan? God said, that's, that's not how I work. But guess what? What I have in store for you is a lot better than you think you want for yourself. And I see it and I'm encouraged with the story of Joseph, who God gave him a dream. It was a God's dream. It was a dream that then put him in a position in the most powerful then known nation as the second most powerful person in the then known world. And I love it. One of the things I use when people say, hey, I got this idea or I got this dream, I got this, this thing I want to do. And uh, I, I, they said, well, how do I know if it's from God? And I always take them to Genesis, Genesis 50. Genesis 50, and it talks about when the people, when his family came to him at the end, and it says that, it says what you intended for evil, it says when they came to him, it says what you intended for evil, God meant for you and for the saving of many lives. I believe that when God gives us a dream, it's not just for us. It's not to make us better or to elevate us. It is truly to help those in the world around us. And like I said from the beginning, if you want to accomplish your dream, what do you have to do first? Help others accomplish theirs. And I'm thankful that God has us on our mind, on, on his mind, and on his heart. That just as much as God is the fulfillment of our desire, we are the fulfillment of his desire. Every single person in this room, every single human that has existed in the history of time. And God wants us to have a relationship with him, to be confronted with that person so that we can bring that relationship to a reality. So yes, we do serve a God who wants us to dream big, but he wants us to do it within the context of himself and ultimately, we'll be truly satisfied. It's my desire to be within the desire of God. What do you say? You with me on that? It's my desire to dream, not just my dreams. My dreams are just good dreams. But it's my dream to desire God's dream. What do you say? And I want that for my life. I want that for your life. And guess what? God wants it for this entire city. God wants it for this entire world. And I want to help share that gospel wherever I go.